Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic, what makes the best leaders so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. Hey there, Tomorrow's Leaders. So I've got a good friend of mine on the show today, Jason Borgo, someone who I've worked with many, many years ago at Ameriprise, and then we've just stayed friends and been uh, real good close friends. So I've gotten a chance to get to know him personally and know the Jason outside of work. And what a great story this guy has just about perseverance and stepping outside comfort zones and all kinds of stuff that has led to his success. He's loved by the people, really loved by the people that he's led. I know that firsthand. And uh, I think you're going to like this. Without any further ado, here's Jason Borgo. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and leading others. I'm John Lerito, your host today with a dynamite guest. I'm setting the bar real high on this guy because I've known him for many years, and I know he's a dynamite guy, and it will be a dynamite show. Jason Borgo, welcome. Glad to have you, man. Hey, John, thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, there's a ton I want to talk to talk to you about, and I know listeners would love to hear about. Uh, but, you know, let, let me, I don't actually even know the answer to this question, even though I've known you for so long, but what was the moment you've been leading, for those people that don't know you, uh, you've been leading financial services for years and years, very, very successfully. When was the moment that you knew you wanted to get into leadership or was there a moment Did it happen intentionally or by accident? What's that story? That's a good question, John. So I've been in financial services for, uh, for 19 years and I, I, I kind of stumbled into the business, uh, after college and, um, I, I liked it. I liked the, the aspect of, you know, going out and, prospecting for new clients and sitting down and, and figuring out what their goals are and helping them achieve that. And um, the company that um, I started my career at at the time had a lot of new advisors that would join you know, the firm and then you know, stay affiliated in, in a branch or uh, move on and, and create their own independent um, franchise, if you will. So just by the nature of how the business was structured, um, younger advisors like myself were asked at uh, uh, an early stage in their career to take a day or two out of their practice to teach and mentor, you know, brand new advisors. So looking back on it, it sounds a little crazy that somebody that, you know, might've been six, 12, 18 months in, you know, was starting to lead, you know, brand new advisors. But, um, I, I found a lot of uh, enjoyment out of that. And, you know, that led to, to me taking on, you know, broader leadership roles over the years. Wow. You know what? That's funny. You know, that is like really, soon to get into that by most people's perspective it's like okay you've got to get a few years under your belt but did you feel at that time so you were kind of tapped on the shoulder to say hey can you help lead some of these other advisors was that what it was or did you raise your hand that's exactly right okay so was that uh like i mean how were you feeling at that point did you feel like oh yeah yeah i have a lot to offer were you thinking what the hell am i doing in this role probably a bit of both but you know, what I found is the same feeling that I had working with a client one-on-one and, you know, being there at the moment that, you know, their eyes opened up and they started to understand, you know, what they needed to change um, on a daily basis or yearly basis to achieve their goals. Being able to do that through other advisors and getting the, 
uh, professional uh, enjoyment out of seeing both, you know, the advisor, um, you know, having the same um, emotions or, or reactions or uh, understanding of what needed to change and then being able to lead through other advisors to impact more clients. Yeah. I always found that to be uh, a really interesting mm-hmm. um, and uh, enjoyable aspect of a business. Well, it's interesting too, because, you know, and, and a, an analogy comes to mind, it's almost like, you know, pilots when they're flying planes, you know, there, there, there might be a plane that's, you know, 10 miles ahead of another one and they're, they're relaying back some turbulence that's coming up and they might not be, you know, a thousand miles ahead, they're 10 miles ahead. It's not like, you know, as a leader, you weren't three or four years ahead, you were a few months ahead, but you still had a lot to offer. You could let them know what's coming down the road. And that's, that's part of leadership, right? I mean, you, if you're, if you're better than and more skilled or knowledgeable than somebody, you're in a position to influence them in a positive way in that regard. And that's probably, you had, you had some success doing that. Yeah, that's a great point. And then also, um, I, I'll forget exactly what the quote is, but the quote talks about how you know, people that really refine their skill set, they get there by being able to teach others, you know, how to do it. So the um, ability to get out there and, and see more client scenarios um, and um, helping others get new clients, the more I did that, the better I got at it myself and the more I learned um, mm-hmm. along the way. And I think that's uh, rang true in all parts of my leadership career over the years. It's funny. I, you just made me remember uh, a story where I remember, you know, Mike Reardon, who we both know, had asked me when I was in my maybe second year to teach a class on buy-sell agreements. And I didn't even know what a buy-sell agreement was. I had no idea. And I said, I can't teach a class on it. I have no idea what it was. He said, that's exactly why I want you to teach the class. And um, that process of learning it and getting to the point where I felt like I could do an okay job teaching it made it be a topic that I became really well-versed in through my whole career. So it was interesting. Yet to your point, when you teach something, you become great at it. That's a whole different level of mastery. That's right. Yeah, that's great. So what? So you got a bunch of people that are listening, you know, in all different industries and all different walks of life that might be looking, interested in getting into leadership in kind of like a formal role. What would be your advice for that person? If they're, if they're not in a formal role, they want to move up, they want to get promoted, they see that as a career track, what advice would you give to them? A couple of things that come to mind, John, number one is, um, and again, depending on the, the, the business or the industry that, that they're in, but um, having them sit down with, with their current leader and helping them understand what their uh, career aspirations are and you know, putting together a development plan uh, in place, uh, to me, that'd be step number one. You know, once you know that you want to you know, get into a leadership role, the, the, the other part to really be thinking about is um, I think people have to be that leader before they're officially appointed um, to that uh, next you know, promotion or, or, or new title. And um, so you need to really start to not just you know, continue to drive you know, your personal business forward or, or you know, what's important to your daily um, key activities but also start to assume the role of that leader you know, before um, being officially you know, promoted into it. And so I think when those two things come together, your leader's clear on what your aspirations are, you've got a plan in order to get there, and you're starting to do the role, good things will happen. Yeah, that's such a great point. What do you think? So when you, you know, you've, you've gone, um, you have moved physically. So you've, you've gone from one area to another, you've changed roles so you've gone from one level to another 
for a lot of leaders, that's challenging. And now you're, you've just started, you got uh, a great opportunity with Lincoln Investment as the regional VP down in the South. So you're leading a huge territory, 250 plus advisors. So when a leader goes through a massive change like that, either location, company, uh, rank, position, whatever, what are some of the things that they need to do? You've done it, I know, a few times successfully. What are some of the things they need to keep in mind? That's, yeah, that's a good question. I, I personally think, John, that um, you know, going back to you know things that we've talked about on and off camera about you know enjoying your life professionally and and, and personally, I I would recommend that when you look to move for a leadership position, that you, you got to make sure you know first and foremost that. It's um, it's the, the the right company. You've got the you know, the right leaders that you're you're working with. But I also think it's important that if you're going to uh, pick up and move to a different area from a geographic standpoint, that it's going to be a place that's going to be um, the right fit you know, for um, for you and um, and your family. And I remember when I moved from uh, Maine to uh, to DC. Actually, I have a funny story. Um, one of the things that I was nervous about was how much time am I going to spend in traffic. And so I lived in, in Portland, Maine, which was a, uh, it's a, a beautiful little uh, seaside New England town. And if traffic was really bad, it took me 10 minutes you know, to get to, uh, to work. And I had not spent a lot of time um, in the DC market. And so um, my previous boss, Joe Lexner recommended that I go down for a couple of days, you know, rent a car and just drive around and get a feel for you know, what it would be. And um, I ended up doing that um, and driving around one day. And I, I, I realized that there was hardly any traffic down here and I'm zipping around um, the Washington DC uh, downtown, the greater metro area. And I remember calling my father later that night and saying, I don't know what the, what, you know, what the complaints are all about. There's hardly any traffic out there. And it turns out it, uh, it was veterans day or, or a holiday like that. But um, <laughs> that, that would be my recommendation is just to, to spend time in, in the area that you're going to relocate to again, to make sure it's uh, it's going to be a fit both uh, professionally and, uh, and personally. That's a great point, you know, and I don't think a lot of everybody's thinking about the job first, but you forget, you know, if you're happy personally and happy with where you're living, it's a lot easier to do better with the job. And if you didn't like that area, you would have had opportunities in another area that you would love. Um, you know, I've moved around many, many times in my life. And I remember I was in Hartford, Connecticut. Everything was going great. Loved my life, loved work. And I was offered a, an opportunity to go up to Boston with Larry Post and, I said, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, you know, thanks for the opportunity. And it was a great one, but I just didn't want to move. And he said, John, just come up for the weekend. Just come up, take a weekend, come on up. Just like Larry does. And, uh, and I did, and it happened to be this perfect, beautiful weekend. I was married at the time and, uh, my wife and I went up and, uh, it was just gorgeous. We fell in love with the place and then went up there and it was a great decision. So I think you're absolutely right. You got to love the place geographically where you're going to be as, as much as the opportunity for sure. Oh, it's good. I grew up in Burlington, Vermont, and also went to the university of Vermont. And it was interesting that, uh, to, to talk to the kids at school that had moved from down South and didn't understand what a Northern New England winter was like, because they'd come to check out the campus in the summertime when yeah. it's a, uh, it's a, a beautiful time of the year and the, the, the lake is there and it's warm and yeah. you've got the mountains that, that are, you know, that are right there. So I, yeah, I think you want to spend the time to, to understand, um, you know, what part of the country you're, you're moving to, but, uh, first and foremost, it, you know, to me, it's, it's about the, the opportunity from a professional standpoint. And I have people that reach out to me 
you know, from uh, my previous company and others, and, you know, will uh, run ideas by me as to whether or not, you know, they should, um, you know, relocate or, or take a different um, job within the company. And what I, what I remind them of is what, you know, my old boss, Joe Wexner, had uh, counseled me on a number of years ago that um, when you're um, having success in leadership, there's going to be abundance of opportunities. And so you don't need to jump at the first one that comes your way. You want to make sure it's going to be the, you know, the, the, the right fit, the right team, the right leader, mm-hmm. the right area. Absolutely. Do you think it's it's funny, and I'd love to get your perspective because I definitely have some thoughts on this. Do you think it's good for people to stay in a role for a long time? Is there some merit to that? Some like, okay, some honor to that and and stay with the same opportunity for a long time and, and for many, many years? Or do you think it's better for people to take on new responsibilities, even if that means changing companies or changing you know roles or whatever? I think that depends for everybody. Um, John, one of the things that I would recommend those to, to make sure that you're always developing yourself uh, professionally, whether it's getting a new designation or uh, taking on some horizontal responsibilities um, across the, you know, the firm or a, a larger part of the organization. Uh, if you want to stay in your current role in order for um, the role to not you know, get scale and, and perhaps have the business you know, uh, run past you, you got to continue to develop um, professionally. So I don't think there's anything wrong with staying in the same role. I, I was in uh, my, my longest tenure in the different roles that I had was nine years as a branch manager and um, the complex director positions to oversee multiple branches started coming my way um, before I was really thinking about you know, moving on to a different role you know, with, with the company. But what I realized when I started to learn about the new opportunities is that um, I was starting to, um, I, I don't wanna say getting bored you know, with the, with the position, but it was um, it was time for me to to do something different and and expand my my responsibilities. So again, nothing wrong with staying in the same role. Just keep you know developing yourself, keep challenging yourself, mm-hmm. um, but also don't be afraid to you know, make the leap and um, go to um, a different you know a different part of the organization, take on a higher role. Uh, in my case, like I just did uh, very recently, switch uh, switch firms to take on. Um, a larger responsibility here at um, mm-hmm. at Lincoln Investment. You want to make sure that um, when things start to get scale, I think your skill set and what you deliver to your people, in my case, the advisors, um, is going to be you know subpar. So um, when you get to that that spot, you want to continue to uh, challenge yourself you know, professionally and get to the next level. Yeah, I agree 100. percent You know, you you people need to be growing, and that's one of the things people you tend to get you know, especially if you've done a role for a long period of time, it just gets comfortable. You know what to do, you know what to expect. There are no new challenges. You've kind of got everything wired tightly and it's just going in there to maintain almost, which can feel good because you've got this machine running. But as far as your personal development and growth, you're not stepping out. You're not doing anything that's making you uncomfortable. And I see a lot of leaders do that where they get to a point where they do stop growing and they don't even realize it because there's some enjoyment factor because it's easy, but in reality, they're a year, two, three years down the road, they're no better off. Um, and and I know that happened to me in a period of time in my career. That's what actually made me make the decision partly to go to Boston was I felt like my role, it was going great, but it was there was nothing that was making me uncomfortable. Every week, I you know kind of go in there and do the same thing. So yeah. I think that I see that John, we, you know, you and I coach advisors for a living and I see that with advisors that stop taking on um, new clients and stop growing their business where it just becomes a, 
um, a daily and weekly routine of servicing the existing clients. And a couple of things happen just in, through natural attrition. They'll start to, you know, to, to lose clients, um, you know, just you know, whether it be clients that um, are taking money out for, you know, their retirement goals or, or, or passing away or, or, or what have you. And I find that the enjoyment level and the passion of those advisors that don't grow um, decreases significantly. And ultimately, the business becomes less fun for them. And it's a subpar experience you know, for, for the client that's out there versus the advisor that's uh, looking to, to move up market, looking to bring on um, you know, a certain number of new households in on, a, on an annual basis, or you know, just looking to add on to what they offer. Uh, in, in, in their business, you know, doing something above and beyond just the wealth management side and um, you know, perhaps targeting, um, you know, executives or small business owners or just doing something a little bit different. Mm, yeah, that's a great point. So uh, let me ask you a tough question. What, what you've seen a lot of different leaders out there. What have you seen or what do you think is one of the more common mistakes that leaders make today? Good, good question. I think, um, I think if leaders just blindly follow um, a, a business plan or um, a playbook, so to speak, without you know getting a chance to know you know the uh, the advisors or their or their clients or you know the folks that uh, that roll up to them um, personally, uh, as well as understanding you know what's important to those uh, folks, you know both professionally and personally, and you know what are um, you know what is it that uh, why are they working? What is it that they're they're looking to achieve? There's a lot that's that's lost there, and I've certainly been uh, guilty of, uh, of that at times, and I've I've learned from that. You know, we're all we're all busy. There's often a lot at stake with the businesses that uh, that we're running, but we can't lose touch of that um, personal interaction um, mm-hmm. with um, you know with the people that we lead, and that's been a challenge in, in the pandemic for you know for a lot of folks, and you know, people have gotten really creative in terms of you know, how to maintain that. Um, you know, that, that personal touch and personal relationship. And I think the people that have figured out how to do that uh, are coming out ahead versus the, you know, the ones that haven't. Well, it's interesting because, you know, you, you do, there's a whole difference with, with this whole world that we're in right now where everything is virtual. You know, you don't have the, the physical touch. You don't have even just the, the presence. I was talking to somebody, I was talking to two people in the last day. um, And I was saying something like, I, I forget what it was that brought up the com- comment, but this one person had, I had made some, some kind of comment about I'm 6'3 and 245 pounds. She said, well, I would never have guessed that. I thought you were significantly shorter. I'm like, well, I, I'm not. <laughs> but uh, she said, I'm 5'5. I'm, five, five. I'm like, well, or 5'3. I, I never would have guessed that either. Yet we'd been working together for a long time. Um, and then somebody else who had said, I'm, I'm six feet. My point with that is like, you, you sometimes you just, you lose that connection that we naturally have when we meet people and we see them, we see how they, their aura, their, how they move their energy, whatever the case is. Um, how, how do you make those connections? I mean, you're a super personal, personal guy, you build relationships, you thrive on that. Are there any things that you've figured out like, okay, in this virtual world, here's how I do a little better job of making those connections, even when I'm not able to be physically, you know, physically with them. That's a, that's a good question, John. I'll, I'll say this, and it's no secret that one of the silver linings to, to the pandemic in the business world has been how far and how fast we've moved forward 
in leveraging technology. So I think the skill set that um, we've all picked up doing what we're doing, you know, today uh, on the computer on on camera, uh, those are going to be important skill sets that are uh, are going to be needed to continue to compete moving forward. And and um, so there, there's going to be some great benefits to that. But I also think um, you know when I'll speak for myself as you know we get out, out on the other end of this pandemic, going back to you know, just meeting somebody you know, for lunch without an agenda um, or, you know, meeting them for a glass of wine after work without a business agenda and just getting a chance to uh, communicate and, and really understand uh, and see how they're doing uh, will go a long way to um, continue to build and, and retain, um, you know, the, the relationships. And I think people, um, it, it is certainly a time and place for the more structured, you know, business conversations. And we're probably doing that you know, 80, 90% of the time um, during our work days. But uh, what I tried to do during the pandemic um, was um, call people, uh, again, just um, out of the blue, randomly, see how they're doing, um, you know, make it a point to ask about, you know, their family or, you know, what's how the pandemic is affecting them um, personally, if, if it is. And um, I found that that went a long way. We, you know, we did some fun stuff through Zoom and um, uh, to to keep some you know the, the culture up and and have a little bit of fun, but uh, I think having the the genuine uh, personal touch um, went a long way, and I'm um, looking forward to doing more of that in person. Yeah, I'll bet. I know that's coming up around the corner, so that's that's going to yeah. feel good for sure. So I I know that leadership it's not just about you're a leader in your work life. You know, you're a leader also personally as well. And I'm always interested to find out from leaders, you know, what does that mean to you? So when you think about how you lead your personal life, what's important about that to you? And what does that mean? And what does that even look like? Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things that um, I, I try and do is, you know, to eat right and, and have the right amount of uh, exercise. And for me, it's a balance. I, I've, I've never been, you know, one that can be at the, at the gym every single morning at, uh, you know, at, at 5.30 and I'm, I'm not uh, one that's going to, um, you know, do a lot of the, the, the meal prep for the next um, seven days, you know, that's there. But uh, just like in, in business life, having uh, an outline of um, what my, my week is going to look like as I you know, make the turn from uh, the weekend into, into the work week, I know what my schedule is going to look like both um, professionally and, and personally, and that helps me, um, you know, stay on track, you know, with things like, um, you know, fitness and, eating right, as well as having the right balance of, um, you know, social interactions and, and spending time with, uh, with friends and in family out, uh, outside of work. Mm-hmm. That's great. And you, uh, you, you know, I know you from talk, talking with you, I know you're a big biker and you're doing this major ride this weekend. Um, what is that like? I mean, the mental side of doing, is it a hundred and how many miles? 105, 105 miles. So with something like that, I mean, what what's the mental side of that like? Because I can't imagine the physical side, but I'm assuming the mental side is probably even as bad, if not worse. I mean, how do you kind of lead yourself through that and coach yourself through being able to do something like that? So it's interesting. At in, in my um, previous company, that I um, had the pleasure of working alongside um, a number of um, triathletes that did um, Ironman. Uh, triathlons and um, John, that's not on my radar. That's not a gold mine. So <laughs> I'm not, here, not here to talk about that. But what they would share with me is that the you know, the, the preparation um, from a fitness standpoint, um, from a nutrition standpoint, um, happens over a long period of time. 
And once you get into the race and, you know, they, they, uh, they swim two and a half miles, they, um, run a marathon, they bike something like 120 miles, but they'll tell me that by the time they're in the middle of the race, it's 95% mental as opposed to, you know, to, to physical. So, you know, being able to, you know, just trust that you've done, you know, the, the right level of, um, of preparation, you know, from a nutrition and from a fitness standpoint and being able to just grind through that is how, you know, those, those athletes are able to do it. And I think part of that's the same in business, right? When you, whether it's a, um, um, an important meeting that you're in a stressful sales, you know, presentation, you want to make sure you've, you've done your homework on who your audience is. You've done the right amount of preparation. You know exactly what's going to happen in case, you know, they say no, or in case the meeting gets interrupted and being able to, to have that, um, um, peace of mind that you can fall back on, you know, the, the preparation that you've done and knowing that's going to get you to, to where you want to go is critical. Yeah, that's exactly, that's such a great point. The preparation is so key, you know, and that's, that's the part that really does take a lot of discipline, right? I mean, whether, whatever it is, whether it's work, whether it's a hobby, whether it's racing, that's where people ultimately fall short because oftentimes you don't want to do it. That's the hard work. That makes, yeah. you know, the game time, you know, so much better. Yeah. I see that a lot with my golf game, John. So I, uh, I, I probably golf half a dozen times, uh, each year. I, um, I don't go to the range. I, I haven't taken lessons consistently and, uh, and then I get out golfing and I wonder why my game is so bad. <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> it's it's not any of the, uh, I golf with my dad every, every time we golf, he's like, do you want to, do you want to hit out some balls beforehand? I'm like, no, I don't, not really. He's like, well, I, yeah, you know, he's, he likes to hit out. You know, balls beforehand, and my 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 a lot of friends do too, and that's how they get you know the, the rhythm. I'm like, I don't know, I just get out there and and hit, and then I do. I wonder why I hit so badly. So <laughs> probably the same mentality that I do. If I hit a nice drive off of the um uh, at the range, I'm thinking, man, I just you know I should have saved that for <laughs> exactly right. I want to. I'm like, yeah, listen, I only have a few a certain amount of really good shots. I do not want to waste them on the range, you know. <laughs> right. But I guess that's why I'm a 25 handicap. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, I know we're coming to the close here and only got a couple more minutes. But what is, um, as you think about moving forward, and the name of this podcast is Tomorrow's Leader, what does Tomorrow's Leader look like in your mind? What are the traits that you think are most important? I think it's somebody that's going to be um, able to, you know, to really adapt to what this new world is going to look like you know, post the pandemic. And, you know, one of the reasons, John, that I, um, I took on this new role with, with Lincoln Investment, and I'm thinking about the independent nature um, of the firm and how many, um, you know, different business models that, uh, that they have. I'll, I'll have to do a lot of learning to get up to speed with, uh, with all of that. But I think um, the business world moving forward is going to be um, more flexible. It's going to be more um, complex. So understanding that the managers of the future need to do what we talked about earlier, be able to maintain that personal interaction, you know, with their people and doing so creatively, whether it be in person or through technology, um, as well as being a, a real student of their, of their craft to differentiate themselves, you know, from others is going to be, you know, critical. There's so much information that's, uh, that's out there. So, you know, just about everybody can get out and have that, you know, that, that baseline, you know, level of knowledge, but I think leaders really distinguish themselves you know, when they can bring something to the table that, uh, you know, the majority of the, the leaders can't. Yeah, that's such a great point. And as you mentioned before, knowing your people and actually taking the time, which 
you know, many leaders don't, you know, they don't really take the time to understand their people's goals and their, you know, their ambitions. And uh, that's a differentiator, no doubt. You know, people, especially nowadays, want to know their leader is a real person and cares about them, not just the mission or the vision, but cares about them individually and their piece of this whole, you know, puzzle, so to speak. And they know you've got a corporate or a business agenda that, that you want to drive forward and, and and that's okay, but they're going to care more about, you know, their goals first and foremost. But when you can bring both of those um, hats together and uh, and achieve a different results, I think that's, that's really where the, the rubber meets the road. I agree. And you can always tell the leaders that truly do care versus the ones that just say they do. There's, there's actions behind that, you know, that, that, that validate that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Good stuff. Great conversation, man. I wish we had more time. Obviously we'll uh, hopefully uh, get a chance to have you back on this show at some future time. But um, if people want to get a hold of you, I know you're on LinkedIn and I'll tag you on our, on our post. Uh, Is there any other place that you want people to go or is LinkedIn the best place to reach you? LinkedIn's perfect. I'll, I'll make sure that, um, you know, my new uh, contact information is is updated there and, and my cell phone number will be there and um, it's a, a, you know, leadership's a real passion of mine. So I'm thrilled to be on, on your podcast. I've watched a ton of them. They're great. And, uh, I'm happy to have, um, you know, anybody, you know, reach out to me to pick my brain and, um, I'll, I'll, I'll in turn, you know, look to learn from them as they reach out to me as well. Awesome, buddy. Well, I appreciate you greatly and appreciate your time today. It's been, been awesome. Great time, John. Have a great weekend. Good catching up. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for joining today. Today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. Hope you enjoyed hearing from Jason Borgo, leader extraordinaire, new RVP of the South and Lincoln Investment. He's uh, available to uh, to uh, contact on LinkedIn. We'll make sure we tag him on our social posts and put all his info in the uh, show notes. But as always, like, share, subscribe, go down below, give a five-star review, let us know your thoughts. And uh, of course, as always, I'm interested in your ideas of future guests or topics for this show. And in the meantime, hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for joining everybody. Take care. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Thanks. Lead on.